Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to Beyond Synth, episode 125. Halloween! It's Halloween time, sort of. We're airing this on a special night. Normally this show airs Thursday nights, and that's going to change, by the way. We still haven't established the new time, but it doesn't matter because today it's uh, airing on Friday. Halloween is in a few days. I'm recording this about 30 minutes before... Super Mario Odyssey comes out. I already have it preloaded on my system, and I want to go play it, so in half an hour it's going to be very hard to edit the podcast when I know that Mario is sitting there on the Switch. And I'm going to have to make a decision, and you're not going to like it, or you're not going to care, it doesn't matter. But I'm really looking forward to Mario, preloaded, as I said, looking at my clock, 11.32pm, it comes out at midnight. Anyway, I hope you guys are having a good day. Uh, If you're listening to this on Friday, Halloween is in a few days. That is a very spooky time. Uh, You will dress like a skeleton. And then if you're listening to this show when it drops on Monday, Halloween is very close. It's tomorrow. And if you're listening to this on Halloween, Halloween is today. Uh, This is a dumb bit I'm doing. So let's listen to some music and I'll tell you all about what's going to go on today's spooky show. To be honest, it's not really very Halloween-themed. I'm just playing it up because, uh, you know, I got nothing better to do. At least not for another 27 minutes until Mario comes out. And then I will pretend this podcast doesn't exist, and I will throw my computer on the floor and uh, run directly to the Switch and play some Super Mario. In the meantime, we are going to listen to a track from Caspro. And this track is called Dark Digital for this Dark Halloween. I added that Halloween bit. It's just called Dark Digital by Caspro.
And that was Caspro with the track Dark Digital. Are you frightened yet? Well, you should be, damn it. So, today on the show, um, we got Dan Terminus. He's got a new album coming out in a few weeks. I thought maybe it's kind of Halloween themed because he kind of makes darker stuff. That's as best as I could do. <laughs> it was a sort of a short notice thing. I'm like, I need kind of a Halloween-y guest. And I realized, oh, I haven't talked to him in a while. I think it was like last year, so I wanted to see what he was up to. And so we're going to do things in a weird order today because normally we do all this stuff and then we do the guest interview. I think I'm going to have Dan first and then do Keeping It 80s with Marco Merrick just because uh, who cares? Uh, that's what I'm doing. And also, some dude emailed me some questions for an assignment he's working on. A gentleman by the name of Harrison Thaxton. And uh, he said, well, I guess we'll treat this as a mail sack. This is a mail sack question. But he, he wrote in and he's writing a paper on synth. Well, just do the fucking mail sack song. The faithful listeners writing to the show, hoping that you know All right, so this is from Harrison Thaxton. He says, Hey, Andy, my name is Harrison, and I'm a college student writing a paper on Synthwave. I would love if you could answer a couple questions for my paper, if you have the time. Thank you, and have a great day. Okay, so here was my compromise, because I was going to write out questions, and you know I'm a busy dude, and I thought, maybe it'd be easier if I just answered these questions on the show. So that's what I'm going to do. So Harrison, over the course of the next little bit, I will answer your questions... And then you can uh, paraphrase and, and whatever you need from that. His first question is, do you consent to the use of your answers and name in the paper? I'm going to refer to you as Andy Last unless you have a different name you would prefer. Uh, yes, I consent. You can use my answers in your paper. But you're going to have to use them verbatim. So if I swear throughout this, I want I want to see this paper and I want to see that it says fucking all the way through it. Just say. <laughs> Andy Last says, fucking Synthwave is fucking great and fuck you. I'm just kidding. I don't want you to get kicked out of school. You know one time in college I got kicked out of class? Yeah, that was a good time. What is your definition of the genre Synthwave? Synthwave to me is electronic music that is inspired by a retro aesthetic, inspired by nostalgia for the 80s and 90s and video games, music, and cinema. I know that's pretty broad. The key is it's inspired by 80s and 90s nostalgia with a focus on movie scores, electronic music from that time. Because one could argue that Synthwave is sort of what evolved from OutRun, and OutRun was very retro but also video game influenced and i think synthwave was sort of the evolution of that because one could argue that i didn't say inspired by pop music but then that is almost you might even just call that synth pop do you know what i mean i've said this many times i'm lazy i encompass a lot of stuff into the genre of synthwave but if i were to say synthwave like just as a thing very briefly it's just electronic music that is inspired by 80s and 90s nostalgia and music and video games of those times. And the reason why I throw in the word nostalgia is because 
it's not so much what really went on then, it's sort of the way people remember that time. You know, if you do a lot of research into, you know, the aesthetic of the 80s, you'll find that a lot of what we consider to be 80s is like, it's not quite 80s, you know, it's sort of manufactured in a way. And a lot of us are looking at that time with, uh, what's the expression, rose-tinted glasses? Because obviously the 80s was also like this really dirty time and there was, you know, all these problems and the Cold War and all this shit. And, you know, whenever we talk about it, everyone's just talking about Miami Vice and white suit jackets and pink shirts and Blade Runner and stuff. And meanwhile, it was, you know, real time. And if you were living in it, I don't know that you would be going, wow, this time is really great. But we have that nostalgia because a lot of us grew up then, so we're also associating that time with our childhoods, and that is an important distinction. All right, let's listen to another song, and then I'll uh, answer some more of your questions, buddy. So here's a track from Occam's Laser for this crazy Halloween off the album Occult 87. And this is Chapel of Wires.
And that was Chapel of Wires by Occam's Laser off the album Occult 87. All right, so I'm going to answer a few more of uh, Harrison Thaxton's questions. Thaxton, Thaxton. What would you say are some of the biggest influences in the genre? The paper is about how Synthwave is influenced by 80s culture. Um, Movie scores and video games. That's the easiest thing. I think a lot of the people who make the music are, you know, people who grew up watching 80s movies and playing video games and how that stuff sort of bled into the 90s. So I think it's it's more like 80s movie scores and 90s video games. I think that's kind of how it works. And those are the biggest influences. I would say. Because also, it's the 80s movies that established the aesthetic. Uh, You know, 80s movies and TV. So that's a big part of it, too. A lot of the images that we talk about uh, when we refer to 80s stuff, like those workout outfits that uh, the ladies wear in the gym and stuff, I mean, like, that's... I feel like that just existed in cinema. I don't remember seeing people wearing those things in my life. But, you know, in the movies they did. And, I mean, I'm sure they did, but, you know. So, yeah, I would say that. 80s movies... 80s TV, 90s video games. Uh, I think that's good enough for that. Um, In your opinion, how has the genre changed over time? That's a tricky one because when you have a genre that's built on nostalgia, change is a weird thing. Because do you want to change if you are going for a particular sound? I would say... I haven't seen so much change in the genre as I have seen change of the individual artists. So I think synthwave as a genre is an easy jumping off point for people who are getting into making electronic music. You know, you got like arpeggiated bass lines and, you know, certain chords and certain instruments that people use and... You know, there is this sort of generic kind of synthwave sound, and I feel that even when people start out with that, the more they start making music, the more they want to experiment and sort of build from it and use it as a starting point. So I would say, you know, there's still artists who I will hear for the first time who are making, you know, quote-unquote synthwave, and it hasn't changed. I mean, that's the point. It's like, but it's only been, you know, like four or five years. It hasn't been a long time. So the only thing that I think has changed about the genre is more the people, more the established artists in the genre expanding their horizons and, uh, and you know, doing cooler things. But the genre itself, I haven't seen much change in. Just more elements of retro sounds being implemented into the music. I mean, there's examples I've used time and time again in this show, but guys like Myrone, you know who started adding those kind of cheesy 80s guitar licks in there, that shredding stuff. At first, Synthwave was very basic, and it was these chords, these arpeggiated bass lines, very video gamey. And then as it went on, more people started doing it, and they were coming from different backgrounds themselves musically. And so they started saying, like, well, here's this thing in 80s music that we don't hear. And, you know, like when I heard the first song where someone actually had a real saxophone player playing on their music, you know, because that really evoked that sort of that 80s-ness. Not that the saxophone is necessarily an 80s instrument, but it definitely evokes that time. And that's the whole point of this genre, is it's about evoking a time. Some people don't understand that, like, because on this show, I talk a lot about 
And the guests talk a lot about 80s. You know, they say, I make 80s music and this and that. And what they really are saying is, of course, they're making music now, right? This is the year 2017. So it is technically not 80s music. But when people say they make 80s sounding stuff, it's a very pedantic position to take to suggest that they're fools because it's like, hey, man, it's 2017. It's not the 80s. Like, yeah, we all know that it's not the 80s unless somehow one of us has a time machine. The point is the aughts, you know, the 2000s don't have as much of an identity like a decade identity that the previous decades had, you know, so the 80s has an aesthetic. And whether or not that's a compilation of a bunch of images um, established in the media, in music, and film, and TV, and all this stuff, and, and fashion. But for whatever reason, you know, when you look back on the 80s, the 80s had a feeling. And there are certain instruments, there are certain song melodies, there are certain tempos, there are certain beats, there are certain things that evoke a time. And the 90s had a feeling and a look and an aesthetic. I mean, when you think of 90s and you think of what were the hot women looking like in the 90s, you know, you just, you picture, you know, like friends and women with like, you know, dark lipstick and these big shoulder jackets and stuff like that, the sort of weird carryovers from the 80s. And so the point is when people talk about making 80s stuff, you know, they're not fools. It's just that there are certain things that, that invoke in your head a time. You know, when I first heard Synthwave, like it, it transported me back to a place. And that's what they mean. So, well, I don't know why I'm talking about this. Let, let's listen to another song, man. Here's a cool track uh, by an artist called Final Tape off the album Rights. And this uh, track is called Hide.
that was Hide by Final Tape. And that's a cool song. All right, so what else? We got some more questions here from Thaxton. What sets the genre apart from other subgenres that are in the same vein? New Retrowave, Vaporwave to an extent. To me, New Retrowave and Synthwave are the same thing. And I would also say that New Retrowave is not a genre. It is the name of a YouTube channel run by a dude who goes by 10, I think. So that's the thing. So don't, don't, New Retrowave is not a genre. Like, that's just the YouTube channel. I have used the hashtag New Retro and Retrowave <laughs> separately, but I would say New Retrowave is Synthwave. So, I don't see a distinction there. Uh, Vaporwave is garbage. Okay, so don't worry about Vaporwave. (laughs) Vaporwave is just slow tempo, slowed down music. Vaporwave is more background music, I would say. Whenever I listen to Vaporwave, I just think it works in context if you're like in a restaurant and you need something in the background that's not too intrusive, that's Vaporwave to me. So it's it's like slowed down music. Like, look, I'm the wrong guy to ask about this because I personally don't like Vaporwave, but that's how I would distinguish it. Synth pop is more vocal oriented. I would say that Synthwave itself is oftentimes um, instrumental. So the difference between it and synth pop would be that the synth pop, uh, you know, usually has some sort of front person who is singing, who is giving character to the tracks. Then there's dark wave. Uh, dark wave is is more is heavier. Uh, I think it's more inspired by you know electro, like French electro, that hard electro kind of stuff more uh driving beats and very heavy distorted bass lines and stuff like that new wave since new wave actually existed in the 80s i think when people make new wave now there's more like if you were to say my music is new wave there's more of a push to make it sound authentic as if it was actually made in the 80s whereas if you make synth pop now or future pop or something like that you know, you, you can make synth pop that sounds like synth pop from the 80s, but you could also make music now that's just electronic pop with vocals and call it synth pop. It doesn't have to have anything related to retro synthesizers or anything like that. Whereas new wave, I believe, like if I were an artist and I said this is new wave music, I would be saying that because it evokes 80s. Uh, although new wave, did new wave exist in the 70s? That Like that word new wave? I feel like maybe new wave was like 77 or something. I could be wrong. I should look that up. Anyway, don't worry about it, man, because we're going to listen to some more music. And then in a few minutes, we'll probably do the Patreon, and then we'll go to my conversation with Dan Terminus. I'm still going to answer some of your questions, buddy. Uh, This is the most convoluted way (laughs) of getting answers to you, and I apologize, but it's the only way for me to do it. So here's a track by Art Effects. Art Effects. And this is a track called Written in the Shadows. Don't care what you're saying in the rhythm Care 
That was written in the shadows by Art Effects, and that's a cool track. Let's see here, uh, Thaxton. What's your next question? How does the imitation of the '80s hold up to the music from the actual period? As someone who experienced the decade, well, I think that's the whole point of synthwave. It's an imitation. It's evoking nostalgia. The instrumental stuff that's more video gamey was not music that I heard in the '80s. But it's music that I probably wanted to hear. It's like when I first discovered synthwave, I realized, oh, this is music that I wanted to hear. It was reminding me of the past, but it had, you know, cleaner production. Because a lot of times when you listen to, you know, music from the '80s and before and the '90s, you know, if it was like garage bands and it wasn't professionally produced, you know, there's always going to be like hissing on the tape. I mean, because I have listened to a lot of、um, new wave and electronic music, weird.、Uh, Singles that people have,、uh, you know, digitized. You know, where they find some weird record that was, you know, you know, like a thousand of them were pressed or something. And you know, there's always a lot of noise and stuff because they weren't done in, you know, super professional studios and things. You know, the artists that I, I talk about a lot that I really admire. You know, like Lucasad and FM84 and the Midnight. You know, people who are doing like, you know, 80s inspired stuff. In the more synth pop realm, realm, <laughs> the more synth pop realm, it evokes that time, but it's definitely way cleaner and and more dancey than stuff that was happening in the '80s. Sunglasses Kid can make some pretty authentic sounding tunes. Highway Superstar. I mean, the point is, it is new but old. So I think some of the music that has been created now in the synthwave genre, I look at it and go, man, if this was in the '80s, this would have been a hit. Like you want to listen to some kick-ass music? I've never actually played it on this show. Check out Foray de Vin, or、uh, it, you know, it's spelled like F O R E T D E V I N. They've got like four songs or five songs, and some of them are like so good and so authentic sounding that you listen to it and it's just like, well, this would have been a hit song, like for fucking sure. Your question is a difficult one to answer only because I would say synthwave didn't exist in the '80s. So there was instrumental music, you know, by like Tangerine Dream and Yan Hammer and Vangelis and these sorts of people. And I did listen to that stuff when I was younger, and I thought it was cool. McCluskey, you know,、uh, people like that, and of course, like the scores to 
m- movies. Well, mainly it was just Tangerine Dream, the scores that I liked, and the Vangelis score. And I also like the score music in 80s Doctor Who. So the question of how it holds up, how Synthwave holds up to the 80s, is uh, an interesting one. Because that music didn't really... Synthwave didn't exist. So I can only say I like it, and it sounds good. And for the pop stuff, I think a lot of those songs would have been hits if they existed. That's how I feel. Of, like, the well-produced shit. Uh, yeah. And uh, I know in one episode of the podcast, you mentioned trying your hand at creating music. Could you list some inspirations or favorites of yours? Okay. I mean, this one's silly because the music I make sounds nothing like anything I like. But I will say, because I don't really talk about too often the stuff I actually like from music from the 80s. I'm always focusing on the synthwave. So... Uh, Depeche Mode is my favorite group. I like pretty much every era of Depeche Mode. Uh, the weakest album for me was uh, Exciter. I just thought, it, I don't know, that one seemed unfocused and it wasn't very, it was kind of like tinny sounding. I didn't like that one. But pretty much that's the stuff that I, I like. Like Depeche Mode is my favorite. As far as like 80s TV shows, it's a lot of cartoons in the 80s because I was obviously like a child then so the real Ghostbusters Transformers Gummy Bears in the 90s it was uh, Batman the animated series I didn't read many books and I still don't I wish I did because I'd feel smarter we'll talk about that with Dan Terminus we, we talk a bit about books games uh, well you know <laughs> GoldenEye and Mortal Kombat series music wise a lot of games from Commodore uh, Druid Commando I always like the music from the game Goonies, which I just discovered is just a chiptune version of Cyndi Lauper's song, which makes a lot of sense, because every time I would, I would hear that Goonies music, I'm like, I oh, know, this is a song, and now I'm like, oh yeah, it was a Cyndi Lauper track. Yeah, I think that's... I mean, I could I could go deeper, but I have to like look at my iTunes playlist. I like some Pet Shop Boys, uh, you know, fucking Aha. Uh-huh. For sure, 80s music, fucking Take On Me by AHA. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. I love AHA. Um, I like disco. I don't talk about that too often, but I'm a big fan of disco. Like, I like electronic music in sort of all of its forms. And so I enjoy ABBA. I enjoy uh, Bee Gees. Uh, I actually like all of Bee Gees. I like the old Bee Gees and uh, disco Bee Gees. Alphaville, remember? Fucking Forever Young. That's a good song. America's. I like the songs America did for the movie The Last Unicorn. Uh, I always dug that. Aphex Twin I liked, but that's 90s. I like that song Hazy Shade of Winter by the Bangles. I enjoy the Beatles. I think my favorite Beatles song is uh, Eleanor Rigby and then uh, Strawberry Fields. Those are my two favorites there. I'm literally just looking at my iTunes playlist right now looking <laughs> for the 80s stuff. Uh, Heart of Glass by Blondie. That's, that's one I dig. See, I'm just at the bees. <laughs> All right, I can't do this. Uh, let's listen to some more music, and then uh, we're going to go to the Patreon. But I think that was all your questions, Harrison... Harrison. Harrison Thaxton. So hopefully that's useful to you. Um, I know it's I bounce all over the place. I'm, this is why I wasn't going to write these questions down or these answers down, because it would have been these meandering, shitty paragraphs. But uh, thanks for writing in, dude, and hopefully uh, that is useful to you, man. And now let's listen to another track. This is a track by Astral Tales off the album Ray Tracers, and this is Are You Alive or Just Breathing?
And that was Are You Alive or Just Breathing by Astral Tales. And that's a cool track. Hey, let's uh, let's go to the Patreon, and then uh, we'll go chat with uh, Dan Terminus. How about that? guys so beyond synth has a patreon you know it and i know it and you love it patreon is a way that you can support the show by donating and uh, patreon is a monthly donation thing all right so you can donate as little as a dollar a month up to the preferred donation of i'm going to raise it to five thousand so if you want to donate five thousand dollars a month you can be the executive producer of this show wouldn't that be great So if you're a rich person or you know a rich person, give me your money. Give me your money. You can have the credit of executive producer. That's got to be worth five grand, right? Anyway, you can check it out. Uh, It's uh, patreon.com slash beyondsynth. And now I'd like to thank my lovely $5 Pattersons. Uh, There's Kai. There's Joe and Lando. Roman. Cunning Corvid. Bobby B. John Eternal. Dougie. Fresh. Lame Robot. Florence Bullock. Matthew Lister. Simon Norberg. Veilingo. Nougat Ninja, the Rosconian, Night Raptor, Stu M, Ross Pentland, Dana Jean Phoenix, Tristan Waits, Rawl Pud, Barons of Santa Carla, Starlight Fisher, Timothy Pierce, Corey Valentine, Orlando Rodriguez, Neef, Marco, Crane and Dunk, Martin Larby, Face Hugger, the X is silent. And then there's Brad Neiman, Zychorax, Lee McConnell and uh, Phil Clothier and Halla and this looks like a new one Josh Murphy hey Josh Murphy you're a cool guy is this a new one (laughs) I think this is new this seems new to me anyways man thanks for donating to Beyond Synth it means a lot to me Uh, you are now cooler as a result and you should see that sort of radiate into your actual life alright so if there's a girl that you're after and uh, and she hasn't made the move yet, when she finds out that you donate money to Beyond Synth, let's just say you're going to get that sweet, sweet ass. So Josh Murphy, good luck to you. And I'm assuming you like girls. If you don't like girls, well, you can still get that sweet ass. It's a unisex term, man. I mean, I guess, you know, the difference would be you'd call it like get that man ass. But, uh, you know, this show is not crass. And so I won't extend this any further but seriously though get uh, get some sex all right and uh next we got ethan hennings and now we are gonna go to the donation of the beast this is the donation of the Alright, these are the people who donate $6.66 on this lovely Halloween. Those donations will transport these lovely Patreon Pattersons to another dimension to experience the five rings of hell. I don't know why there's five rings, that's just... (laughs) 
little detail I just made up. So there's Josh Conklin, a.k.a. Rings. There's Hellroy, Lucas Ceballos, Blake Peterson, Carm, Straylight, Lonnie Taylor, Till Wild, Ken Giroux, Moose Nux, and of course, Max Hutchings keeping evil at bay. And now it's time for my lovely $10 Pattersons, the coolest people I know. There's Trevor Resnick and Colin Bennett, Fraser Davidson, Winfield, Will Lowe, Joshua Evison, fucking Slunks, Greg Smith, Ashley Keegan, Tim Walmsley, Mike Shima, Shaboogan, Playmaker Media, Murat Ogute, Elias Garnier, Poly Digital, and then we get into my my wacky, these wacky people that donate all these uh, creative amounts. Of course, there's the lovely Chris Elia Lane with 11.11. There's Frank Skinicki with the 19.87. Jacob Wick with the 22.88. And my lovely $25 pals. There's Chris Dance. Gregorio Franco and White Tiger and a new donor this week Clint Dowling with 2501 so I don't want to say that he's necessarily cooler than you guys but let's just say Clint Dowling doesn't need the podcast excitement to get him the ladies you know if you're donating five bucks sure you know they'll sense that you radiate a different energy because you're supporting the best synthwave chat show there is but Clint Clint is a fucking... He's a high roller, man. This guy knows what's going on. And as far as I'm concerned, the ladies, they're just they are just swarming after him all the time. And it was difficult even to just donate the money. He's trying to go to the bank to put the $25 in the machine. And, uh, and just the ladies just kept pulling him to the ground and molesting him. So if there's anything I know about Clint Dowling, he loves the ladies. I know nothing about Clint Dowling, so... This might be another case of man-ass situation where I uh, assumed something that wasn't true. But anyways, dude, thank you very much for donating to Beyond Synth. You are a very cool guy, and I hope you have a lovely day. And of course, the king of the Pattersons, Retro Revolution, who is uh, sponsoring the show again. And you should go check out Retro Revolutions on YouTube. I can't remember if it's Retro Revolution or Revolutions. But either way, type in Retro Revolution into YouTube. Uh, It's a guy named Jared. He's a cool dude and a very clever guy. He dismantles old electronics and creates new and cool like video game systems and stuff. And uh, he's designing lots of neat things for some people in the synth scene, which you will see all about uh, when Season 2 of Retro Revolutions begins. And he walks you through the builds and how he does them how he creates these custom consoles and things, and it's really cool stuff. So check it out, Retro Revolution uh, on YouTube and at Retro Faith Games on Twitter. And he's a cool guy. And that is the Patreon for this week. So now let's listen to another track, and then we'll uh, talk to Dan Terminus. So here's a track by Heartbeat Hero, and this is called Melting Ice.
And that was Melting Ice by Heartbeat Hero. That's a cool track. Not very Halloween-y again, but whatever. It, it's a Halloween episode because it takes place near Halloween, all right? So go fuck yourself, all right? Deal with it. Deal with it, man. Anyways, let's uh, let's go chat with Dan Terminus. <laughs> all right. And I am here with Dan Terminus on this very spooky Halloween. We just recorded for six minutes, but uh, that has since been deleted on Dan's request because he told a very boring story. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. It's a story <laughs> about somebody bumping into my Toyota Prius, um, 15,000 euros batteries, and people driving away without filling in the papers for the declaration. So yeah, that was pretty boring. <laughs> And that was the start of my day. That was just the start. I would just like to say, on the record, I was completely fine with the story, but that's okay. But the bottom line is this. We're here today. It's spooky Halloween time. Dan Terminus, you have an album coming out in the next few weeks. Exactly. And uh, we'll play some tracks from it today, and we'll be playing some other stuff as well, and we'll have a, a good time what have you been up to since I talked to you last time? Uh, last time we talked was with the the ghost episode where mm-hmm. we discussed the the European tour. Well, I've been up to many things, trying to stay alive mostly. Mm. Uh, you know, doing doing live shows and doing my thing, just taking some time off to relax, uh, get back to the places I used to go to when I was a child in the south of France, and um, you know. Making music, working on the next album. My life was pretty boring. I mean, um, it's like sitting on the toilet and wondering what's what's going to come out of your ass next. Maybe shit, maybe <laughs> liquid shit. You don't know that. That's, that's like pretty the, much it. You know? yeah, yeah, there's, so, <laughs> there's not too many choices <laughs> in that analogy. Yeah. So, how has your live show been going then? Are you do you feel like you're getting better? Are you are you learning new things? I'm learning new things and becoming worse uh, <laughs> and worse at every show. Mm. Uh, the 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 main thing I learned, and, and this is a true story, is that whenever I play a show that I'm not satisfied with, people come to me and say, oh, Dan, your show was fucking awesome. I enjoyed myself. You were so great. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> and on the other hand, whenever I'm really happy with my show, people come to me and go like, hey, Dan, you were kind of lumpy tonight. It was... <laughs> Mellow, kind of boring, uninteresting, and this—I pro- I mean, this happened at every show I played, every time. Something's going on where you have a very different perspective on your shows than the audience does. Exactly, but in the end, when people come to me and say that they enjoyed themselves, the rest doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I'm just—I'm carrying my stuffs around. I have my synthesizer. Actually, it's—it's it's a Korg Minilog, but. I don't know why. The first time I saw it, I was like Kylie Minogue, so I call it the Kylie Minogue. Yeah, <laughs> the Kylie Minilogue. You know, I go from place to place, play music, not as often as I would like to, but uh, I have a booker who's working for me, and uh, whenever we have good dates, we're going. The best example would be when I played in Leeds at the Temple of Boom. I was with uh, Das Mortal. It was our, our own UK tour, mm. and um, every night we would go ahead on tails to, to know who plays first. And that night he played first. No, I, I played first, sorry. And the place was literally crappy. We had no light backstage. The, the water was, you know, dropping from the ceiling. But the, pro- the promoter was awesome. The people there were awesome. 
They were really dedicated, and it was the best concert on the tour, along with another concert in Glasgow. You know, the crappier it is, the better it gets. Actually, the better it is. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that. And we even played a show in which we really had a lot of fun. It was a show at Milton Keynes. The hall was called Crawford Arms. I know. I started playing my show. There was no one in the, <laughs> in the place. Nice. I played to no one for 10 minutes. I only played for the sound guy. And then by the end of the, my show, there were four people in the room. And when Das Mortal took the stage, there were seven people. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and the promoter didn't show up for the whole night. He didn't come pick us up at the at the railway station. We had to pay for our own taxi. We had to pay for our own food. When we asked, you know, the sound tech for buyouts, he was like, um, "I'm sorry, what do you mean uh, buyouts? Um, what do you mean exactly by buyouts?" And I was like, <sighs> you know, in my mind, I was like. You're supposed to give us like 10 pounds to go get fucking fish and chips down the road. And he's like, what do you mean? I don't know. What do you mean exactly by a buyout? Okay. I don't know. I don't I understand. Understand. <laughs> There's nothing better than a guy with a French accent speaking English with a British accent. It is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, that's what I've been doing lately. Live shows and trying to get my life together or stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. I, I like live shows. It's really, really funny and entertaining because, um, I mean, my music life is less organic. You know, when I fuck up, everybody hears it. And when I fuck up, people come to me and say, oh, but you fucked up at this moment. So this means you're, you're not pressing play. You're not pushing play. You're really playing your stuff. Mm. And I'm like, dude, I have a virtual synthesizer and I have a hardware synthesizer. Yeah, I'm really playing stuff there. So if you enjoyed it, it's cool. Puts a big smile on my face when I know people are out there uh, playing cool music for people, even if it's just for four people. <laughs> But that's fun. I mean, like those people got an intimate show. You should you yeah, should have taken your gear down and sat on their lap and then and played your keyboard there. Actually, I couldn't because <laughs> we played on fucking beer kegs. Oh. <laughs> I'm not making this up. They had no table, no nothing, no input, no like literally no nothing, no cable, and they gave us a shitty two ways DJ mixing desk. And I mean, we were so fucking overwhelmed at that that with Das Mortal, we just said fuck it, to hell with it, just let's play it. And when the guy, the sound guy, came on stage and said, "All right, I got you two kegs of beers. You you put your synthesizer on it." I'm like, dude. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have the elementary courtesy to give me a table. All you have is beer kegs? Seriously? <laughs> so, you know, when things like that happen, mm. the best thing to do is to create a positive thing. That's Mortal and I just didn't give a shit about that. We just said, all right, we went out, stayed as far away as possible from the venue, had a very nice fish and chips, we had a good time, then we played the show to zero people, to seven people. Mm. As long as we enjoyed ourselves. I'm, but, you know, the guys in the, in the hall were really friendly and they were very supportive. But uh, that, that's quite an experience to start playing your show in front of zero people. It's, um, it's a humbling experience. You got to play on a beer keg. That's exciting. Exactly. Let's listen to some music here. We'll dive a bit into this, this upcoming album. What's the album called? Automated Refrains. Automated Refrains. And this is a cool track called Angelus by, by you.
And that was Angelus by Dan Terminus. And I'm here with Terminus right now. We're talking about playing music on beer kegs, fish and chips. That's, of course, a track from your uh, upcoming uh, album, which sounds cool. I got a chance to preview it, and it sounds good. I'm not allowed to play my favorite song, but that's okay. (laughs) People can wait for that uh, in a few weeks' time and then check it out. But uh, I will tell people that uh, when you do get a chance to listen to this whole album, you are going to dig a certain track called Grimoire Blanc. Exactly. Because uh, that track is, uh, is is a nice one. Thank but you. But this was also cool. I mean, the older thing sounds nice. It's a nice sounding album. I dig it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So what else has been going on, man? What uh, what games are you playing? You playing any games? I've been playing uh, games that may sound boring to people, but I've played um, Resident Evil 7, which I liked, but I don't play it in VR because, to me, the PSVR is like a puke helmet. Whenever I put it on, <laughs> it, it, it gives me like... I, I got a puke. I, I mean, I'm not made for VR. Do you have a PS4? Like, do you have PSVR? Or? Uh, I have a PS4, and I had a PSVR, and I had to part from it because I just couldn't stand it. Yeah. Even playing Res Infinite was unbearable to me. It was insufferable. Mm. And, the you know, the, I don't know if you can call it headaches, but it was both a headache and nausea. And this would last for two to three hours. Ooh. And I just, I'm just not... I'm not the kind of person who can go into VR. So I played Resident Evil 7. I really liked it, even though I suspected that we would get the uh, the end of Zoe DLC. And it was like released or, I mean, announced two days ago. So since I sold it, I'm going to have to buy it again. I enjoyed it. I think it's a great tribute to the first Resident Evil games. And it kind of mixes pretty much everything together. And I also like the, the FPS view. I like uh, what they did with the game. It's cool. But I think that Resident Evil 8, if it's done the same way, should be better. Then I played a huge lot of uh, Nier Automata. Mm-hmm. It's a masterpiece. It's so a masterpiece. Of what the is game. that game? Because the only thing I know about that game... Because I, I go to a few video game websites that just have video game news. And the only thing I can discern about that game is that it's some chick with blonde hair and a short skirt. And every picture is the camera like pointing up her skirt. Like, so is that what the game is about? <laughs> yeah, in a way, yes. Um, <laughs> but but that, that's totally not the game. The thing is, to sum up, near Automata is terribly difficult task once you've played it. The only thing I can say is that I urge you to play it. Please play it. It, It's a masterpiece. The gameplay is pretty simple yet solid at the same time and the story is compelling. And um, I mean once you start playing it once you start getting interested into the story, especially since since you are a father Mm -hmm. the game will be appealing to you because It's not only a chick with a short skirt running around and killing machines and robots. It's not that at all. It's... I mean, just play it. I can't... I mean, any words that I would say to you to try and describe the game would do the game disgrace because you got to play to understand it. Is it an action game? Yes, it is. You, You control a character. It's in third view, so you have combos, you have swords guns, so to speak, because you you carry a pod along with you. It's Mm. a a flying device that flies next to you, next to your head. 
You can use it to shoot laser beams, anything. There are shoot 'em up parts. There are exploration parts. There are reading parts. There are a magnificent soundtrack. There is a, a tear-jerking story, but I mean, really profound and deep story. Multiple endings, Easter eggs all over the place. Just play it. Just. Play it. I think it's We're amazing down. that a game like that that has so much depth and yet every single thing I've ever seen about it is <laughs> just camera shots of this chick's underwear. Like that is literally all I've ever seen. I've to me I didn't I didn't even understand what the game was. Like every article would always just be that. It would just be pictures of this chick's skirt and like I, like And it well it's it's complicated because when you think <laughs> of it uh, What? I just like, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) It goes a lot deeper than you understand. Exactly. Because, yeah, when you take a look at the game, all of the time you're controlling a a girl or a little boy in third-person view, and you are into these wonderful uh, landscapes, sceneries, and levels. But the story is... It's just too big to ignore, really. You gotta play it. It's... um, I just... I don't want to spoil it for you. Mm. Just play it. I'm pretty sure that you will like it. Well, if it ever shows up for uh, five bucks somewhere, I'll I'll pick it up. I've been playing also Destiny 2, which Mm -hmm. I really like because the grinding and the farming is um, totally okay with me. Like, you know, you just play the game and you play for like 15 or 20 minutes and uh, it's great. I especially like the design of the planet Nessos with all the the Vex robots. I think the design is terrific. You know, how machines adapt to organic world and how the the Destiny 2 level designers and artists did such an awesome job. The landscapes and the views are awesome. Really tremendously inspiring. And I've played an old friend of mine, which is um, Dragon's Dogma Dark Horizon. I bought it on the Xbox, the first version, then I, then I bought the Dark Horizon version, then I bought the PC version, and then the PS4 version was out, so I bought it as well. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> a game that I... Yeah, I really love that game. I don't know why. It's, it's filled with flaws, but I just enjoy playing it over and over again and um, trying new things. And um, yeah, th- That's what I've been playing lately. These are all the games that really struck a chord with me lately yeah. I had um, The Last Guardian but for some unknown reason I stopped playing it once the game gave me the opportunity to give orders to uh, Trico the, the beast Yeah, and I don't know why I just found it for some strange reason I just didn't feel like I would keep on playing even though the game the game is really splendid it's beautiful and I think that there is more to it than just a, a little boy with a big, big, big creature, you know, moving into these gigantic landscapes. But um, mm-hmm. I just didn't find the drive to keep on playing it, which is a shame, I know, but um, that's what happened with me. You know, there's just games that sometimes, like, I'll play them and I'll recognize this is a good game, but it just doesn't hit the right buttons. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to explain. It's personal taste and stuff. Listen, let's listen to another track and then we'll talk about this because you've played some games here that I haven't tried yet, but I want to. No problem. This is a track by some other dude, man, on, on this uh, wonderful Halloween show. We're listening to a bunch of uh, cool music, but this is a track called Machine Heart by someone called Invisible City.
And that was Invisible City with the track Machine Heart and the T is a floating cross. And that's Invisible, which is missing a few of its eyes, but that's a cool (laughs) song. And I am here today with Dan Terminus all the way from France. And we're uh, talking about video games and yeah, the Destiny 2 I still haven't played and I enjoyed Destiny 1. I got bored of it. I, I had some friends who stuck with it and still played it, and they kept on saying like, "Oh, you know, the DLC was really good and stuff." And because I'm not, I don't really have a problem with grinding. I just found that there was so little things to grind to. So like, I remember in Destiny One, like how many times I fought fucking Sepix Prime. Like there was this like certain <laughs> boss fights, just like because because you would get that thing where you know they would give you missions and you'd have like five cards and it would be like you know defeat Sepix Prime three times and get a bonus and so. That was, like, one of the easier bosses to fight. And so I ended up fighting Sepix Prime, like, 40 times. I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like, it's this... Because it didn't change. There was nothing really super dynamic about the situations. It wasn't like when I'm playing Grand Theft Auto and, like, you could be doing a mission. All of a sudden, if a car, like, drives out in front of you, the whole thing changes. And you have to come up with a new strategy and all this. And with, with a lot of the Destiny missions I found, you pretty much just did the same strategy every time. Like, once you found yeah. the good technique. But I really liked the way it played. Like, I remember just going, like, I really like, it's so smooth, and uh, it worked really well, and the game was, you know, like, well-made, it just, I got bored, but then I thought, when part two comes out, I'll probably pick it up, and then for some reason, there's been a, I just, I just haven't had the interest to, to get it. I can't understand that, because the first Destiny, when it came out, was void of its original content, and it's something that, from what I've heard from people who work in the video game industry, was a last-minute order by the producers. So that's why everyone was like, hey, we don't understand shit about this the, the story. Uh, the game feels void and everything. The first Destiny is now a really good game with all the DLCs. From what I know, mm. Destiny 2 is cool. I got it because I really wanted to grind. And because for some odd reason, it reminded me of uh, PSO, uh, Fantasy Star Online on the Dreamcast and the GameCube. Mm. And... Um, I find the same enjoyment in grinding and doing the same missions over and over again because uh, you get a bigger guns to fight bigger enemies who in return give you bigger guns, etc., etc. It's just, I think it's cool. I haven't gotten bored with it yet, but when the day comes, I know I would have had my fun with it, so I don't, I don't mind. But you mentioned GTA 5. GTA 5 is um, a good example for me. It's just that I stopped playing it after I played the torture mission. Right. Do you remember that mission where yes, you have yeah, to yeah, torture yeah. an innocent I, I'm, I'm actually going back through and playing the story mode again. Because I, I bought it on PS4. Yeah. And then went directly to the online because I had already played the story on PS3. And so now I'm going back and playing the PS4 one. And I do have to say... I love the story of that game, and it's I think it's really well-written and funny. Like, I laugh at it. Like, I think it's really good. But that torture mission is out of place with the rest of the game. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, to me, it was not funny. It was not uh, hilarious. No. Which is kind of a paradox, because you can run around with a car and run over people or drive your helicopter straight into a park or shoot people with rockets and it's fun but this was imposed to me i didn't have a choice and then you have that character trevor who 
I really can't stand because he's like he's a psycho but he's too much of a psycho and he goes blah 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 for five minutes with with his annoying voice you know explaining you why this was necessary and blah 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 and then I start playing the game so you may call me a sissy or a pussy alright okay it's just that after that the game fell flat to me I agree that it feels out of context because like some overall like the game as a whole I think it's like one of the best written like I mean because a lot of games you know they've got cutscenes that are pretty good now like they look good and stuff but I don't find them engaging like I would watching a movie or something and I find that Rockstar that team they just have characters that just they deliver their lines correctly and like I actually laugh at the dialogue and stuff but that mission I feel like they were trying to make a point but it's a weird one because essentially like the whole premise of the mission is it was useless exactly like it was you tore and you're forced to do it like I I would have accepted in that scenario like you could choose not to do any of those things exactly that should have been an option because ultimately the whole point of that mission was torture isn't useful like that was the point of that mission because and the end of the day you don't even know if you assassinated the right person based on his information and then you just sort of move on with the rest of the universe of grand theft auto and it's very sarcastic and very satirical and stuff i just felt like that one was just kind of i think they took it too far they just took it too far and it's it's not pleasant to play like i didn't i don't have fun playing that mission you know you just kind of get through it and it's it's weird that I think on the PS3 version, you were even rewarded with a trophy if you did all four of the torture things. But on PS4, I didn't see the chime when I did it this time, so maybe they removed it? I don't know. But I prefer GTA 4, but that kind of, you know, discussion is exactly like saying which Final Fantasy is the best. You know, uh, to me, GTA 4 is a very, very good game because it's really dark, really mature, it's violent and unforgiving. And um, there's not a lot of hope in GTA 4. GTA 5 is more, f- is funnier, colorful, happier, bouncier, which I can't understand because it's a welcome change. But I'm just simply not the kind of guy for GTA 5. I totally understand that. I like all GTA games. And I think the problem I had with 4 was that there was just really nothing past the story. I was so impressed by the game at the time, just you know, one of the best virtual worlds. And the story was great. Like, I liked it. Like, I liked the characters and stuff. But then as soon as you sort of finish the last mission, it became very kind of dead. Whereas GTA V has a bit more life. Maybe that's also because of the online as well. I have friends who still play the online mode, you know, doing their car trafficking stuff. And uh, they're having a lot of fun with it. And Rockstar are not being dicks about it. You know, they they give you free content and uh, updates and shit like that. So they're good. They're good people. They know what they're doing. They're professional and they're they're taking their game to the top. And uh, I tip (laughs) my hat to them for that. But it's just not my kind of game. Yeah, no, I understand. It's the same with me when people tell me about really great racing games and things. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, they're not for me. So I can see a racing game get like 10 out of 10 on every website and they say it's the best one ever. And I'll just be like, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I just won't. I'm just not a racing game guy, you know? Same here. Some people find open world games overwhelming. Like, you know, I love Skyrim and I've talked to people who they can't do Elder Scrolls. It's like, it's too big. There's too much and they want a, a more focused experience. And sometimes it's, you know, obviously with, with big games, sometimes um, the little things in them aren't as polished as when you play a game that's more focused. By the way, did you play Zero Dawn? 
you play it? No. Actually, it's a pretty decent game. It's really good. You know why I didn't, though? Because I bought Zelda, oh, yeah. and they came out like at similar times, and I, do, I don't have in my brain the capacity to play, like sort of similar genre games at the same time. At the same time, I can understand, yes. I mean, I know they're different games, but they're both pretty much open-world fantasy, you know what I mean? Like, So that's m- my thing with that. I like to be able to switch it up, and if I'm not playing that, then I can go to like you know a first-person shooter or something. Hey, let's listen to another track from this album. How about that? Oh, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. Indulge me. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is another track from the Dan Terminus Extravaganza, the album that's coming up in a few weeks. This is a track called Deus Mech... No, wait, how can you say this? Deus Mechanicus. Is that correct? Uh, Deus Mechanicus. That's it. Deus uh, Mechanicus uh, by Terminus.
That was Deus Mechanicus. You like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I would have just said it. Deus Mechanicus, motherfucker. Yeah, and that was you can say it that way because uh, in that song I used a speech synthesizer and there was no way I could get it to speak with a decent Latin accent. So, but By the way, Deus Mechanicus doesn't exist in Latin and it's just a, a made-up word and... Um, It comes from the Warhammer franchise, but so I just had the, the speech synthesizer go like Dios Mechanicus. That's the thing, because when I played with my first speech synthesizer, it was on the Commodore 64, yeah. and there was a game called Sam Say It, and he would say things you typed in. It was a very early speech synth program. I remember we used to laugh our heads off because we would phone people and prank call them with this <laughs> and uh, we'd be like it, it would be like hello we at the Bell Phone Company think you are a snaggle toot mother fucker and then it would hang up. <laughs> and I remember we typed in I, I love your I forget what the hell it, we were little children so I was like you know I was typing in like I love your big meaty breasts or something like that and uh, <laughs> and The way that it said, I mean, like, I, I don't know why I would say that, but I mean, that's what I wrote. It couldn't pronounce words with E-A. Yeah. So it wouldn't say breast. It would be like, your miati breasts. Like, that's the way it said them. You know what? I had exactly the same problem with my Atari. <laughs> I mean, it was not maybe with E-A, but I, I remember I had similar problems. So I had to, you know, because I used my Atari in the track and in the first track. There is a, a speech synthesizer taken from my Atari 520ST, and it says, Fall of the Ancient World. And there was no way I could make him say Fall of the Ancient World. Mm. And when I typed like Z-E-E -E or something, it was like Fall of the Ancient yeah. World. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so instead, I just said, all right fuck you you Atari so I kept the fall of the ancient world mm. so that that's awkward on purpose you mentioned also that you played um, the last guardian last guardian yeah because that was another one that I was interested in for eight years until it finally came out <laughs> like every Sony press conference they'd always be like hey remember this game and then there was like a few years where they just pretended it didn't happen but for some reason that's another one I haven't played I feel bad for them because the game was started on PS2 then transferred to PS3 then transferred to PS4 and it was hell going through it and um, I mean even on a PS PS4 Pro, you see that the game is like really killing the PS4. It's like the game is asking way too much. But I think they did a good job. But to me, I'm sorry if I sound like a dickhead. It's just that, as you said, the game didn't push the right button with me. Mm -hmm. And in the same time, I'm still playing Dragon's Dogma, which is filled with flaws. Like literally every minute you find a new flaw, but... I don't know. Like, I don't think there's any shame in that because, I mean, obviously you want to enjoy... Like, I want to enjoy myself and my time when I play a game and there's just some games that I can read as many articles on the internet of nerds complaining about how, like, Skyrim is just like, can we all admit to this, you know, like, it's broken and all this shit and I'm sorry, but I love just the atmosphere of that game. Like, I like playing it. And there's some older games that... Because of their flaws, I actually enjoy more. Like, I was talking to somebody about, uh, like, Metal Gear, for example, and, and talking about old stealth games. And, you know, like, I love GoldenEye, and I'll always talk about GoldenEye. But, you know, new games, obviously, the, the AI gets more sophisticated. You know, it's trickier. You need more techniques and all this stuff when you're playing stealth 
And sometimes I like an older game where the stealth is a little simpler, where it's like, you know, as long as you're like ducking, they won't see you and stuff like this. <laughs> because sometimes I don't want a really hard experience. I want to enjoy myself. You know, when I go back and play older games, I find that I just, I return to Skyrim a lot. You know, I just, it's just what I do. I return to that game. I return to Grand Theft Auto. I return to, you know, Mario 64 and Zelda Ocarina of Time. These are games I just like to go back to. Just like books. As we get older, we get back to the books we really like. And even though in my library I have probably something like 120 books, I always end up reading the same five or six same books because I just love them. And I think it's the same with video games as we get older. We've had our share of games. We've played a few games here and there. And uh, we try to get back to games that we really enjoy. And um, sometimes it's hard to find a contemporary game that we enjoy. The last game I really enjoyed playing was Dark Souls 3 when they released the uh, Ringed City DLC. I got back to it and uh, I was very happy because it's really satisfying experience. Then again, it's I think it's a very simple thing. The enemies will always be at the same spot, doing the same thing. So, it feels familiar to you. The game is hard and challenging, yes, but you know in advance what you will be facing, so it's reassuring. <laughs> Just like when you are a kid, you like to, to watch the same movie 10, 15 or 20 times. As I think it's the same with video games, you know, because you know you're going to enjoy it. No, I agree with that sentiment, and uh, how about this? Why don't we listen to your buddy Perturbator? He came out with a new album, we'll listen to one of his tracks. That's an EP, Yes. You mean the EP. Well, I always say the same thing, because I don't, uh, what's the word? (laughs) Either know what I'm talking about, or care. It's one of (laughs) those. The point is that uh, he did a little switch up here, and he's sort of, like, evolved his sound a bit, and this was a a neat album, it was or EP or whatever. It was <laughs> it was called the New Model, and this is uh, Perturbator with the track "Birth of the New Model."
And that was Birth of the New Model by Perturbator. And today I'm chatting with Dan Terminus on this lovely Halloween. You mentioned before, you know, you return to the same books and stuff. Like, what are your favorite books? I never talk about books on this show. One of my favorite books ever is... Lord Valentine's Castle. I don't know the name in English. It was written by Robert Silverberg. Yeah, I think in Canada it's referred to as um, the biography of Rocco Sifredi. <laughs> Fuck you. How can you <laughs> desecrate such a masterpiece? I hate you for that. <laughs> I'm trying to elevate your soul and you keep me down to penises and sodomy that that's that's what you're yeah. anyways yes go on i've never heard of this book in my life is it is it a french novel do you read the great french novels is that what you do no 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 i mean it was written by robert silverberg it's it's written in english in the first place so check it out it's a real good really good book and of course neuromancer by william gibson i never tire of reading it over and over again it's like one of the best books in the world i mean for me mm-hmm. And um, Lovecraft, Demons et Merveilles in French, which is in fact the dream quest of Unknown Cadaf, because it's um, a pleasant reminder of um, how precious our childhood memories are. All right, I'm not going to add more because I don't want to spoil it for people. Mm-hmm. And I've been rereading some Dune, Dune 1 and Dune 2, because the, the other books are like super boring. I mean, they're way too crazy for me. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I read one uh, which, called, which is called La Fée Carabine in French, which is The Carbine Fairy, written by Daniel Pénac. It's a really great story of a dude. He's a, he's a bad luck magnet, this dude. And in his house in Paris, he shelters old people who shoot themselves with um, different kind of drugs because they just can't stand old age anymore and there's a story you know an old lady killing other people and it's it's called the carbine fair it's really cool and that's pretty much it for now i like the mr men books you ever read those they're these little books for children and there's just like these oh yeah uh monsieur madame in french yeah uh, mr mr sleepy mr yeah. clumsy yeah all right yeah <laughs> that's where i'm at with my reading i want to do more reading i feel smarter when i read but i can just never find the time well just Plug off your telephone and your PC and your gaming devices and take some time. Take some time. In the evening, just uh, start reading and you'll see it's a, it's a pleasant feeling. It's a pleasant situation because um, you don't get the pictures delivered to you. You have to make up your own pictures in your mind. It's a, it's a great gift from you to you, <laughs> which for me is kind of a problem. No, don't laugh. No, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at the poetry of your words, not the intent. I'm French. Why do you think I'm so being so poetical? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but also, there's one downside to this. I don't know if you know the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. I do Be- because there is no Rocco Siffredi in it. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I only follow anything that's Rocco Siffredi related. <laughs> Fine. Because now that I've watched the movies, mm. I'm having a real hard time trying to remember how. I would envision Tolkien's world before watching the movies. Right. Because now, whenever I read Aragorn, I see Viggo Mortensen. Mm -hmm. I don't see the Aragorn I used to see. So, uh, well, that's all for the best, because the the movies are 
awesome, of course, but... uh... Like, I think the Lord of the Rings movies are pretty fucking awesome, and they did a great job. The Hobbit, not so much, but, like, I love movies, right? So, if an adaptation is is good, but it doesn't have to be perfect, because I know there's people who will complain and go like, oh, but they cut out this character, and and they find a way to be disappointed, even though the product is really good. So, sometimes I resent the books in a way. I feel that way about Game of Thrones. I Like, a lot of people will always talk about how great the books are and be disappointed by the show and I'm like I'd rather watch the show I'm terribly sorry about that but I've never ever watched Game of Thrones I don't know what it's all about my girlfriend used to watch it Mm. and whenever I would cast an eye on her screen there were people killing each other free cruelty uh, Mm -hmm. sex like everywhere for no apparent reason Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) shit happening with politics, people killing each other, people betraying each other, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is fucking boring. And then, when everyone goes like, oh, fuck, Game of Thrones, I was spoiled, I was like, alright, good for you, I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm even going to tell you something, everybody tells me that I should watch Stranger Things, and I haven't watched Stranger Things yet, but... I think I should. Yeah, the most important thing about Stranger Things is just the title sequence. That's my favorite part of that show. It's <laughs> okay. just it's just a great, great title sequence. It's simple, but it's a great sort of callback to like 80s stuff and it just it looks nice. Game of Thrones, just wait till it's done. I mean, look, I'll say this. Like I think Game of Thrones is amazing. The production value, it's it's very big and nice and and uh there's lots of twists and turns and stuff, but you know, wait a few years, and then if you ever do get into it, then even if there is spoilers in the air, you won't—they uh, won't infect your brain. But if you don't like violence, there is some fucking. It's—it's it's not that I don't like violence. It's just that for me, there was free cruelty. So. I'm totally okay with the fact that we're not watching Nickelodeon or Mickey Mouse or whatever. It's just that I was... I found it fucking boring, you know, politics and violence. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'm just not that kind of guy for that kind of show. It's just too boring. And I have the same problem with television shows that that you have with books. I just don't find time to watch a a TV show. I will watch the the Monty Python, which is something that is like 50 years old, Mm -hmm. or I will watch the the Adams Family. I have the whole show at at home, so I will watch one or two episodes from time to time, and that's that's pretty much it. I'm not a TV show guy, because nothing really pushes the right button or or steers my interest. Maybe it's because I'm so pissed off at everything. I don't know. (laughs) No, I like... I like TV because I like that it can sort of flesh out characters more, but I find TV shows are harder to end than movies. So that's like, there's like sort of a trade-off because movies can sort of end any way they want and it can still feel like sort of a satisfying experience. But like TV shows very rarely end well because they go on for so long that like, it's like no ending could ever be satisfying. So it's really like tricky. Like it's a weird thing. But listen, I want to listen to another song here. Okay. And then maybe we can... uh, we can start to wind this thing down. So, how do you say this one? Margaritifier. Mar- Margaritifer. All right, here we go. <clears throat> We're going to listen to a track by Dan Terminus off his new album. This is Margaritifer.
friends of mine said, oh, it's a margarita, like the cocktail. I'm like, no, it's margaritifer. But, well, fuck it. I mean, people, people will pronounce it their way. I don't care. Well, listen, we just listened to it, and it was a cool song, Margaritifer. Exactly. By Dan Terminus. And you got this cool album coming up. So yeah, man, we can probably, uh, we can wind this down. But like, are you happy about the, the new album that you, you got coming out? You want to talk about it? I'm absolutely... You've got one minute. Ah, okay. I'm happy because the album is finally out. And um, it was very difficult to work on. And the album was much more complex than I expected. So I just let things happen. That's what I did. I just let things happen. And I let this album come to life on its own that's why it was pretty hard to make and that's why I'm very happy that now it's not mine anymore it's going to be out there people are going to either love it or hate it I don't care because indifference would really piss me off mm. so but I believe that people expect the expect the wrath of Go Tube and it's not going to happen uh, I mean I didn't even write the story the only blurb or a little sentence or quote that I, that I wrote to help people try to catch what the album is all about is pity for their perceived lifelessness which is in fact never truly lifeless that's what the album is all about and that's something I totally understand thank you <laughs> <laughs> Halloween isn't really that big in France is it or is it? absolutely uh, in, in the 90s when marketing and everything was trying to introduce Halloween in France it didn't really I mean, didn't really click with the French people, but people do celebrate it. Except we don't have kids going from one house to another. We don't have that a lot. Mm. I don't really care about it, to be honest. I don't really care about it. It's just another evening for me. Ah, yes, you're the perfect guest for a Halloween show. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, if you have some free time on this uh, All Hallows Eve, you can uh, you know you can binge watch some Game of Thrones and then just keep your eyes closed at the violent bits. Although you know, which is funny because like I try not to expose myself to too much offensive imagery because I can't dismiss it as easily as other people seem to be able to. You'll see people on Facebook or on the internet, you know, they'll just share like, "Hey, here's some crazy motorcycle accident." And I really don't understand that because I'm I'm a motorcycle rider myself. <laughs> I've been into <laughs> that example. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been into motorcycle accidents, and I'm like, dude, it, it happens all the time. Because the moment you start riding a bike, you know you're gonna fall. You know you're gonna crash. Same when you say I'm going, I'm going to ride a horse. You know that one of these days you're going to fall off your horse. But some people need to watch violent imageries or violent videos because they it's not cathartic i think it's just they want to be reassured i think though i do make a distinction between what's real and fake and so i think some people it's like they post it as if it's fake well i mean i i, I used a random example of motorcycle but i mean anything like i've seen people post things where it's just like here's police taking out a bunch of people and you're just like why are you sharing a video of people getting murdered like when it's real it's so weird because I love violent video games. Like, I play first-person shooters. I mean, when I play Grand Theft Auto, I'll go on rampages and all this stuff. But, like, there is a clear distinction in my head because I am, like, horrified and appalled by real violence. Like, I love games with guns, but I don't like guns in real life at all. Like, I've never even fired a gun before. Like, a real one. Like, I've got no interest. But in the video game world where it's fake and controlled and all this stuff, then I'm, like, then I'm fine with it. I think there's just some people who don't 
I don't know, like those lines are blurred or something, and they can, you know, especially or people will share those videos of just like, hey, look at these crazy Russian dash cams of like crazy car accidents in Russia, and like, you know, some people aren't surviving some of these crashes, right? I mean, like, some of them are insane, and it's weird to me that people will think that's funny. Like, just look at these crazy car accidents. I'm like, this video has like people dying in it. Like, that's not funny. Like, that's weird thing to share. It's just that people have a morbid curiosity. Yes, that's true. Just like, just like, I mean, it's exactly the same as when you are on a motorway. It's in, it's in the human nature. It reminds you of your own mortality. Like, you're driving on a motorway, and um, all of a sudden you're stuck in the traffic jams, and you see the fireman staying on the escape lane, and they are. Uh, putting a man together because the guy got flew off his motorcycle and he's now you know he's got a his head up a tree his uh, legs all bloodied on on the motorway you know people slow down just to watch it yeah the real life Humpty Dumpty exactly but but it, that's human nature I'm not blaming these people I'm just saying well we know it's out there we I don't need to be reminded of this that's also one of the reasons I. Deleted my Facebook, by the way. I don't use Facebook anymore because um, I kind of got... I really got sick of it. No, you're better off, dude. I keep mine because I use it to, you know, when I post um, new episodes of the podcast and stuff. I mean, I still have my page, I suppose. I'm slowly trying to figure out ways to sort of get out of it because I feel better when I'm not checking it. But that's very simple to get out of it. Just uninstall it and don't log in and... I mean, that's what I do. You know, I just I call my friends or text them or send them messages or meet them in real life. And I don't make a fuss, you know, on Facebook, you know, because things can escalate pretty quickly. And I'm, I mean, I'm not the kind of guy who's suited for social networks. Mm-hmm. I use it for my music because most of the people who know me know me via the social network. So I use it for them. But for me, for personal use, I just, you know... I try to go slow on it because you know I got off I got off Facebook it's yeah. not I, I don't think it's interesting because it's a tool that is not being used properly anymore it's just not for me I was wondering where you went because I was looking for you on Facebook when I was trying to get a hold of you to do the show yeah I know and and a lot of people sent sent me angry messages on my pages going like yeah but I thought we were friends and what did I <laughs> do to offend you and I was like dude I just got off Facebook. I didn't mean to offend you in return. It's just that I got sick of it. My music is still there. My Facebook page is open. You can check it. Send me any kind of messages. I'm very happy to read your messages. And most of the people I know thought that I blocked them or in, whereas I didn't. I just deleted my Facebook and went away because life is out there. Life is not through your phone. Life is out there. So just go out there and Enjoy your life. Well, listen, man. It's a great sentiment. Life is out there. So go out there and enjoy this Halloween. Because that is, of course, what this uh, what this show is uh, all about. That's the sentiment we're gonna we're gonna end on today. But uh, do you have any do you have any parting words? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Uh, no, I can't think of anything. All right, man. Well, listen, it was good talking to you. I look forward to the release of, of your album in a few weeks, and people should go check that out. And in the meantime, go check out uh, the whole back catalog of Dan Terminus. Thank you. Because there's uh, lots of stuff there to listen to. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
And that was my conversation with Dan Terminus. He's a cool guy living there in France. So how about this? Let's listen to another track, and then we'll keep it 80s with Marco Merrick. With Marco Merrick. <laughs> so we'll do things differently this week. Maybe we'll end the show with keeping it 80s. How about that? That's fun, right? So here's a track by Midnight Mantics. Uh, they have a new album out, and this track is called Static. Should we 
And that was Static by Midnight Mantics. And uh, I dig that. It is in the genre of pop. And uh, I like that sound. It sounds cool. So how about this, guys? Let's go keep it 80s with Marco Merrick. And then we'll uh, wind the show down. I'm saying, like, wind the show down, but keeping it 80s with Marco Merrick goes on for, like, 40 minutes. But, you know, it's... <laughs> you know how it is. Marco $249. Fuck off. All right, and we're keeping it $249 with Marco Merrick. <laughs> Did you catch that bit? What the fuck? Hey, Andy. Hey, everyone. Hey, Marco. I keep telling... There's no point in telling you to cut it out, is there? There never fucking is. No. How you been, Andy? It's, uh, you had a good week, mate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been okay. So, what was I going to talk to you about? Oh, yeah, so what do you, what do you, what's $249? What do you... <laughs> We just started uh, recording. Look, the and then Super, you, no, though, I just wanted to know what your thoughts on the Super Nintendo Mini. I like the idea of those things. I know there's nerds who complain because essentially what's inside it is like a retro pie. Right. Which you can buy yourself for fucking, you know, $50 and you can load all the emulators onto it and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And that's fine. I mean, I had a retro pie, but I actually gave it away. Or I sold it because it didn't do everything I wanted it to do. And I'm not super technical computer-wise. So I'm okay Mm -hmm. when it comes to computer stuff. Like, I'm fine. So, yes, I figured out going to the website with the RetroPie. Like, I figured out how to put the emulators on there. And I did it. But what I was hoping to do Mm -hmm. was... um, Because I have an arcade controller. And what I was hoping to do was to get a RetroPie that could have all the arcade games I love... And, you know, somehow maybe put it inside the controller or something. Mm -hmm. So I would just have a controller with an HDMI out and I could do my arcade game. Because for me, when I'm playing old Nintendo, when I'm playing old Super Nintendo Genesis, I like using a controller. And I'll I'll, I'll just wire up my PlayStation 4 controller. But when I play arcade games, I do enjoy playing them with the arcade stick and the buttons, right? Like, that's the the difference. Agreed. But the thing was, I had a a RetroPie 3, or uh, yeah, like a Raspberry Pi 3. and, And I bought the one that came with a case. So it was more money. It wasn't 50. It was more like uh, 80 because it came with... Uh, maybe it came to 100, actually, because it, it came with a case. It came with all the cables and stuff like that. Because if you buy a RetroPie, like just the chipboard, then you have to also then buy all the necessary cables and stuff like that. So the bottom line is it didn't do all the arcade games. So the emulator that was running on the RetroPie, for some reason, wasn't compatible with a lot of games, a lot of the games that I wanted to be on there. Uh. But everything else about it, was cool like the interface was cool it was really easy to navigate it was simple it was literally just for games so it's not like when you have an emulator on your computer and it's also your other computer where you do all your word processing and all that other shit it was fun to just have a little box that was just for gaming but it didn't do everything now I've talked to other people since then and there are nerds and people who are good with these sorts of things that are like oh you can get it to work you just have to fucking do blah 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 and I'm just not that type of guy. Like, I get it. I get it that you can fucking buy a RetroPie for 40 bucks and do this. I get it. But it's not <laughs> fucking intuitive if you're not, like, 
you know, because I'll read nerd forums where they're like, all you have to do is drop this kernel into the fucking main operating drive and put it in a USB under this folder that has to be labeled fucking games lowercase with a slash at the end, and then you put that folder inside the fucking base folder, and you upload that to a USB card, but remember, the USB card can't be any more than 16 gigabytes, and then you have to put that onto the system and allow it to fucking download the things. Now, you won't notice it actually uploading the things, it's just sort of doing it in the background. You won't see a status bar, so you pretty much just have to wait. When that's all done, and then you can fuck it, and I'm just like, dude, so when people talk about, like, getting, like, the mini NES and stuff, yeah, I get it, there's only 20 games on there, but you're paying for a novelty item that looks like a mini Super Nintendo, and it works out of the box, you know, you just plug it in, and you got your games, and sometimes that's what people want. Star Fox 2. I watched a review of Star Fox 2 on IGN where the idiot fucking reviewed it like it was a new game. Oh, God. Like, so he gave it, like, a score review of, like, 5 out of 10 because, like, it played with a slow frame rate. And I'm just like, dude, this, yeah. what? Like, you, you, like, who the fuck does that? Like, goes back and reviews, like, an old video game and, and judges it by today's standards for fucking graphics and performance. Oh, and the controls are a little clunky when you're using this. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it's a fucking Super Nintendo game game you fucking idiot like <laughs> why do you want to get one no i was just wondering what your thoughts were i know some people are like like i know jake freeman's like pretty full on about it like uh i don't know he just reckons it's stupid but uh especially with emulators and everything that's available these days but um no i don't know i don't think so i don't think i'll get one um i probably just prefer to get an actual super nintendo to be honest but or just i'll just get an emulator what i want to do because I've seen people who can, like, mod them where, you know... Because I, I like the idea of it as a novelty item. Like, so when you get a RetroPie... I know you asked my opinion on the Mini NES and I just talk about RetroPie, but essentially that is what it is. You know, it's just a little black box. So, like, I would love to have, like, the little case where I had a little mini gaming system. Because, you know, you can fit all the games on a little tiny USB stick. Like, every game you've ever played, like, retro game will fit, you know, on a tiny stick. So yeah. you could fit it all into this thing. And so I like the idea of it looking like like a little miniature Super Nintendo. Like, to me, that's fun. I'm fine with that. Like, that's cool to me. But I get it. Like, I get when people say, like, oh, it's if it's a ripoff or whatever. But I just think, I'm, I'm just looking at it from the point of view of it being a novelty, fun item. And if you want to play retro games and you have a little tiny Super Nintendo that fits in the palm of your hand, like, that's fine. I, yeah. I'm probably not going to get one, but I think that if I saw one for sale and it was cheap... And not like, you know, how they sell out like the first day and then people start trying to sell them for like 500 bucks and stuff. Yeah, like, that's that is obviously not worth it. But and even Nintendo released a press release saying that, like, do not buy these things for, yeah. you know, that much money. Like they're going to make more or something. So I would be personally more interested in an N64 one mini because uh, that was my real retro jam. Like, but at the same time. I think you get better performance out of the emulators on a computer. So, like, if they released an N64 Mini, but it still played the games in, like, standard definition resolution with the horrible frame rate and stuff... Yes. Then I don't know what the point of it would be, because, as I've said many times on this show... You know, when I play GoldenEye, I'm using an emulator that, like, boosts the frame rate and plays it in high definition, and I'm using my PlayStation controllers. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know that I could really justify, like, playing, you know, N64 games looking as shitty as they look if you don't boost them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Super Nintendo is different, right? Those games age better, I think. Like, they just... There's a timeless quality, too, yeah. I yeah. think so, too. I think so, too. Well, I had somebody complaining about Super Ghouls and Ghosts and saying, oh, man, all the bugs and all the this and that. And I'm like, I don't remember that many bugs in it. And I was like, what bugs? Like, 
I don't know. It's weird. And, oh, there's a frame rate drops here and this happens there. And I honestly don't remember. I played it a lot. And I don't remember fuck all bugs in it. There was a couple <laughs> of little ones. But I kind of like the little slow... I actually kind of like the slowdown when there's shit all over the screen and you're like, there's so many fucking sprites and shit everywhere and you're like... It just kind of makes it easier when it slows down for me. Anyway, that's back in the day, that was uh, that was our equivalent of. It's easier to dodge the bullets. Yeah, that that was our equivalent of uh, you know, like in like Zack Snyder movies and like Three Hundred yeah. and stuff, where they they do that thing where the camera like everything slows down when you see like the fucking spears go <laughs> flying past people and speeds up again. And back in the day, <laughs> we experienced that firsthand with the the performance of the old Nintendo. I mean, at least it slowed down because remember with the regular Nintendo, hmm. the thing that it used to do would be like things would flicker on the. Screen. Oh yeah! If there was too much going on, like everything would be like flickering, like on and off, and I just I remember finding that really distracting. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I remember even like some of the if it's based on an arcade game and the arcade game slowed down or had glitches or something, I want it to be like the arcade. I don't want it to improve on that. I mean, okay, fair enough. You're talking about Goldeneye. I understand that you want to play that higher res. So do I. You know, but I get that. But. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of like it. If it's the arcade, if it's if it's a port from the arcade, and the arcade has got a few little glitches, I prefer it just to be original like that, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, the original Ghouls and Ghosts had a lot of glitches in it, and the arcade did. And I love it. I love every glitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, I'll tell you what I love. Cool music. So what do you got for me? Oh, okay. Well, if you like cool music, I know what else you like. You like sexy dancing girls. Right, Andy? So uh, I'm going to play a track called Sexy Dancing Girls. Sweet. Part four by Mastertronic, just for you, buddy. Sexy Dancing Girls part four? Yeah, by Mastertronic. All right, well, this is Mastertronic with the track Sexy Dancing Girls part four. (laughs) Produced by Mastertronic.
And that was Sexy Dancing Girls Part 4 by Mastertronic. Uh, Marco's second... Wait, no, that was your first pick of the week, right? First pick of the week, yes. <laughs> Get it together, will ya? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. Um, you know what's funny, actually, because we're talking about these old old games and stuff. I love that back in the day, I noticed such a difference between the arcade versions and the Super Nintendo versions. You know, like when you'd go to the arcade and it, it just seemed like mm. everything was so much bigger and crisper and the sound was so much better and stuff. And then now when you actually have access to all the ROMs, when you can actually go back and, you know, you're, you're playing the arcade version and the Super Nintendo version mm-hmm. and the Neo Geo version and all this shit, and it all looks exactly the same. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's... Yeah, it, The nice. differences are so <laughs> fucking minimal, man. I mean, of course, they're still there. Like, I, you know, the arcade version of Mortal Kombat 2, like, is better than the Super Nintendo one. But the Super Nintendo one is pretty close. Like, it's pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good, but some games are way off. Okay, if you want to talk about ports, Final Fight, Super Nintendo, Final Fight Arcade, very different. Well, wasn't uh, Final Fight on the Super Nintendo, the first one wasn't even two-player, I don't think. I don't think it was. I don't think it was two-player, and you can only have a maximum of three enemies on the screen at a time. It used to drive me nuts, because I used to love the arcade. You could walk forward, and they're just the enemies just keep coming out. It's like unlimited enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you get like a whole gang of them. You do like a jumping fly kick, or like a jumping, uh, what is it, splash, you know, on them. And it's like, with Hagger, and, and like, you just knock like 20 of them. And they all just go flying, and it's just complete chaos, you know, but you can't, you couldn't do that. Plus, they missed the level, the levels were shorter, and Double Dragon had some really bad ports. Well, see, that's the thing about Double Dragons. like, was it ever good? I don't know, like, when I go back and play Double Dragon on any system, I'm like, this game sucks. Come on. I don't, I don't know which one's good. What, what's good? Which one? The first one was good. Okay, like, Streets of Rage, Final Fight. Those games are so much better than Double Dragon. But Double Dragon was original. Yeah. Double Dragon was original, Andy. Come on, man. But it sucks. It's a shitty game. Like I, It was great at the time, though. It paved the way for everything else. Believe me, when I was a kid, I liked Double Dragon, and I remember the song... I think it was Double Dragon 2 was the one I liked. Or maybe that was part one. But um, That was part one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but man, like Streets of Rage... Is, is so much better. Like, it's just faster. You know what's really good, actually? Maybe I already talked to you about this before. What's that? There's this thing online where the, people can make their own fighting games. It's called oh. um, Beats of Rage. There's Beats of Rage and there's MuGen. MuGen is for making fighting games and Beats of Rage is for making brawlers. And so a lot of people, and they take sprites from old games and they sort of mix and match them and make their own games with them. Now, somebody, I think when they were making the Beats of Rage engine, they made a remake of Streets of Rage for a computer, which you can get. Like, and it's a, it's a, it's a full-on remake. Right. And it's really good. It's called Streets of Rage Remake, and maybe it had been taken down. I, I have, I have it somewhere. And they did a really good job. Like, they're taking all this, but they, they sort of combined every Streets of Rage into, like, one big game. So the game actually has, like, it has an overview map when you go to, like, the different levels and stuff. You can play as all six of the characters that were in all the Streets of Rages. So there's, besides the three main ones, and then I think, like, in Streets of Rage 2, there wasn't there, like, a kid with, like, roller skates? And then there was, like, in the third game, there was an old man who was, like, a cyborg in Part 3. They don't really make brawlers anymore. But when they do, sometimes they'll they'll come out and they'll be sort of like overcomplicated and there'll be a lot of uh, RPG style elements and stuff, which I like to an extent. Mm. But when I played Streets of Rage Remake and when I go back and play some of the old brawling games on arcade because it's my favorite genre, what I'm noticing now is it's speed. 
it's like the faster the game is, I think the more fun it okay. is. Like, I mean, I'm not talking like they have to be in fast forward, but speed is definitely one of the factors. Because sometimes you'll go back and play like one of the early brawlers, and as soon as you start playing the game, you instantly know like, oh no, like your character just kind of moves slightly too slowly. Yep. And like the punches and the kicks don't happen right when you hit the button. And so when you play a game that's super responsive, that's just nice and fast. And every time you mash the button, your character's fucking doing something like that's that's what makes a good brawler. I think it's literally as simple as that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I was really into brawlers as well. I think uh, the ones I was in is Double Dragon. Obviously, Streets of Rage, but I think Streets of Rage, are, uh, well, number two especially, number two is brilliant. But Final Fight before that, then Streets of Rage 2, really. And then, did you ever play Cadillacs and Dinosaurs? Yeah, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs is great. That was a really good one. I really liked that one. And that had uh, a few extra, like they keep adding on little little, little bit extra stuff, you know, moves and stuff uh, with each one. And uh, I liked how you could double tap a direction and you sort of run and then you do like a running move as well. Yes, yes. Cool. If I ever, I mean, like I've got too much on my plate right now because, but in my <laughs> life, look, if I yeah. get to live for a while, I, I eventually I would love to I'd do two things when it comes to video games. One, if I, I, I mean, I don't know where I would get the money from, but I would love to fund <laughs> some sort of GoldenEye type game. What I mean by that is like just a modern, like made with modern aesthetics, modern graphics, modern modern effects and all that stuff, but that is in the spirit of GoldenEye. So that there's four player split screen mode mm. uh, with lots of bots and just lots of cool stuff. And I, I actually drew up a plan for a game like this at one point, but I'm like, I can't believe I even tried to like make a trailer too. I had like some like ogres music in there and stuff, but I was, I was going to try and learn to 3d animate so I could make a, a concept trailer. Mm-hmm. And I would love to just bring back the party first person shooter. I would want a game that plays like a modern first person shooter with the smooth controls you would expect, oh, yeah. but it's designed for party for having fun with parties, you know? So it's not, mm. it's not so rigid on how precise you have to be with your aim you know, it's just a game that's meant to be like having some beers with your buddies and playing games and having a good time. Like that's what the f- point of the game is. And the other thing I want to do is to make a brawler because I've always loved brawlers and I have a whole chart I drew up <laughs> because the key also to me with a, with a good brawler is simple controls. So I don't like when I'll play a new brawling game. I think they did this with Double Dragon Neon as well. And I, I, I thought the game was fine. I never played that one, yeah. It's fine. Like, it's good. And it's got a good soundtrack. But, man, it's like, it's one of those where you're, you're holding a PlayStation controller, so they give you a function on every button. You know, so, like, every button does no, something. I see. And I'm like, you know what, man? The perfect brawler controls fucking three buttons maximum. Yeah. But then you do what Smash Brothers does. Like yes. the, the Nintendo Smash Brothers, where you can do special moves based on you know you you press punch, but then you hit down when you press punch. So that's one move, yeah. and double tap and then punch is a different move. So that you make use of having only two buttons by just doing different button combinations with movements, and then like the N sixty four wrestling games, mm. um, where you can grapple. So maybe one of the punch buttons is grapple when you're up close, and then once you're grappling a guy, then your punch and your kick buttons do different stuff. And then you have, and then you you open up uh, a combination of move sets because now you're in grapple mode. So now up and punch does like a you know like a headbutt, but up and kick will do like some crazy kick move or whatever. And so that to me is also important with a brawler is you need simple controls, but 
with enough nuance that you can you can do complicated things with very few buttons because when i've played brawlers that try and make themselves like oh it's a brawler for the new age so now you use like 15 buttons it's just like well no now you're defeating the point like the point of a brawler is it's pick up and play yeah and if you play it enough then you learn the nuance and then you can learn that you can do all these different things but it should be very easy for someone who doesn't know how to play just to grab the controller and play what about fighting force on playstation did you ever play that no. Me and my brother used to play it a lot. Yeah, it was pretty good at the time. I mean, I looked back. I've actually looked at a video recently to see, oh, well, I remember that game. Is it any good? And I looked at it going, yeah, it really doesn't, hasn't stood up too well. But me and my brother used to play two-player all the time. It was great. It was like a 3D. It's the same thing, like a, a side-scrolling uh, beat-em-up with two players, but uh, it's kind of in 3D, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, listen, mm-hmm. I- I've dominated this segment. So how about you play another song, and then uh, and then I'll turn the floor over to you, because I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've just talked over no, you this no, week. No, no, that's fine, mate. That's fine. We've all missed you, Andy. We've all missed you. I've been talking enough on my uh, farewell show. So uh, talking about these uh, fighting games, this one's perfect for you. Uh, I've got a track from Night Stop's new album called Dancing Killer, and the track, uh, I'm actually going to dedicate this one to you, because I know you're into the back alley stuff. <laughs> this is back alley business. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, this is Back Alley Business by Nightstop. <laughs>
And that was Night Stop with the track Back Alley Business, Marco's second pick of the week. So I just talked over you a whole lot. So That's okay, buddy. That's okay. Not really. Um... Uh, I don't. Yeah, I didn't really have that much to say anyway. Other than uh, <laughs> what about? Okay, <laughs> what about? Uh, did you ever get into Metal Slug games? I used to love those games, Andy. I've played them more recently. Like I didn't play them at the time, um, but then I picked up for PlayStation Four, which is the the anthology of Metal Slug. So I think there's like six games on there, maybe seven, five, yeah, five to seven, which is basically just. A port of when they originally yep. put them out for, I think, PlayStation 2, if I'm not mistaken. Sometimes with PlayStation 4, they'll put out these ports where you're playing a PlayStation 2 game, and for some reason, once it goes into PlayStation 2 mode, you can't use the option and start button on the PlayStation controller. You have to, like, use the touchpad, so, like, the right side of the touchpad is select and the left side is start or something like that. Oh, let's see. But, uh, yeah, they're good games, man. What I like about... I think it's also kind of what I liked about the new Sonic, because I picked up uh, Sonic Mania, Mm -hmm. basically sort of like remixed old Sonic levels. But what I liked about it is they added a lot of animation. So even though it still has like 16-bit graphics, they added a lot of frames of animation, so it looks really smooth and looks really nice. And that's what I've always liked about uh, the Metal Slug games, is uh, the animation's really fluid. And sometimes it just makes games look so much better. Like, they can still be 16-bit yeah, and still have that old style, but when they're full of animation... Because I, I like that, because Metal Slug, everything is so, like, animates so fluidly. Yes, yes. I, uh, I've only, Honestly, I haven't played number five and six. I had the anthology collection, whatever it was. It was a, I had an emulator on, on the old Xbox in, like, 2003, and I don't think five or six was out by that stage. And uh, I love number two. Number two, I used to play in the arcade a hell of a lot. I spent a lot of money on it. Remember when I was uh, traveling around Australia? I uh, they had it at uh, on Bondi Beach in Sydney. They had it, uh, in one of the pubs there. They had the, the game, and me and my friend used to go down there, and I used to spend my last dollars there uh, just playing that game. I got really good at it. I used to be able to get up to, get up to like level four without losing a life uh, sometimes. Number two was incredible because it's got that second level where you're like in the crypt and all the mummies come out, and and it's a breathe on you or whatever it is. They you turn into a mummy, and it's really annoying because you're jumping around real slow. Yeah, but uh, number three three was cool as well because number three had the uh you could start going different directions like like uh, multiple paths so if you go up it sort of goes a different way and if you go down you go underwater in a submarine and shit and uh, i thought that was pretty cool but uh i miss those games i need to play them again yeah no it, it's fun it's funny though like talking to someone who's like because i've only really played them i haven't played them that much like i have them and uh they're just kind of there it's interesting because they all um to me, look the same. They really do. So, like, like w- w- when I hear you saying just like, like part two is good, I'm wondering just like, what is the actual difference between these? Because like, fuck all. I could randomly boot up Metal Slug one and then Metal Slug like six, and it's like, yeah, this is literally the same game. It almost feels like all the characters are exactly the same. Like in in every, ge- like, mm. I think they added a few more and like maybe like the second one then there was like four players instead of just two or something I could be wrong about that but then it was just the same four characters for the rest of that series and they all kind of play the same uh, of what I've played but who knows like maybe someone there'll be like that nerd that's like <laughs> you're wrong you guys are wrong in Metal Slug 5 you can yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you guys talking about <laughs> fucking <laughs> old bastards actually I, I want to do a character that's a funny idea to have a nerd character who just like pops in for the beyond synth show like 
where all they say that's the only sentence they say is like you're wrong <laughs> you're, you're wrong and like just it just cuts out and like they're just really mad but they don't really articulate what the problem is or whatever they're just so angry that you know you got your nerd fucking fact wrong and that's all they're so angry about it but they can't uh, they can't actually say what it is <laughs> you're wrong you're fucking wrong and then just like cuts away yeah i can't wait to I can't wait to hear it then yeah yeah well if it, if it goes down as well as it did today i'm sure a lot of people will find it very funny <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Should I play a dark track saying is it's Halloween next week, Andy? Sure, man. Go nuts. All right. Uh, makeup and vanity set. So uh, the one I wanted to pick, they've got like six tracks on SoundCloud. Uh, it's part of a playlist they put together. And, um, you know, um, the one that I wanted to play anyway is the New York Ripper. Very dark. It's almost like uh, some late 70s Horus soundtrack stuff. Cool, man. Well, let's fucking let's do it up. This is Makeup and Vanity Set with the track The New York Ripper. was the New York Ripper by Makeup and Vanity Set on this very spooky Halloween. <laughs> oh, this isn't a Halloween episode at all, but it's nice to have at least something there, right? To uh, yeah. Halloween, I think, is either in a few days or just happened. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Are you going to dress up? No, we don't really uh, dress up too much here. It's kind of fucking boring. Oh, I could go out somewhere or something, but I don't think I'm going to be doing anything. Nah. We don't do trick-or-treating here, really. It's not a thing. Do you do, you do much trick-or-treating in Toronto, Andy? Well, I mean, I know people do. Like, we'll take uh, we'll take the, my son out, and we just sort of yeah. walk around the block. Uh, I'm in sort of a more residential neighborhood, so, you know, there is trick-or-treating going on, but... 
I don't know. Like, uh, it always seemed to me more of like a small town suburbs kind of thing. Like, I don't know what kids would do if they lived like downtown in the city. Like, I don't think any trick or treating happens down there. Like, I think that is like a more of a residential place. And then the adults, right? They'll dress up and go to Halloween parties and stuff. I haven't dressed up in decades. Like, it's been so long because I, I maintained that if I ever went to a Halloween party at any point. I wanted to go a scorpion, and I wasn't going to go unless I had a really elaborate scorpion costume, like a proper one, and mm. I have no intention of making one, so... That would be really cool, actually. Yeah, I would, I would love, like, a cool, like... I mean, I've seen the ones they sell in the store, and I'd like to do one, like, a homemade thing and, and, and look good, but, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever, man. <laughs> Halloween! Happy Halloween! <laughs> when I was young, we did a haunted house in our public school, and someone brought in a Halloween, like a spooky Halloween CD. You know, those ones you you, mm-hmm. you put on in the background if you're, like, have, giving out candy, and, you know, it would just be, like, all ghost noises, and, you know, like, a voice literally saying, I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing an impression of that CD, you know, where there'd be, like, a voice just like, oh, ho, ho, happy Halloween! <laughs> you know? <laughs> and there's this one that I remember I cried laughing at this thing because it was so funny to me. One of the sound effects, like it's mostly just like clanking chains and like, ooh, and like kind of weird droning <laughs> music in the background. And then one of them was <laughs> the sound of a shotgun going off and then a lady screaming. What? And I just remember it was in the middle of this CD. Like, wait. Did someone just get murdered? Like, is that is that the, the like someone just thought that that was like an appropriate like Halloween sound? Just be like, ah! and just like someone just got shot with a shotgun. And it's fucking, first of all, there's nothing like Halloween spooky about that. Like, I don't know, if, you know, like some weird like scarecrow come to life is running around shooting people. Like, it's it it's not very Halloweeny to me. But man, it made me laugh. There's no way in hell I could ever find it again. But if I did, I would love to play it because it it was such a funny thing to me. Like, just a shotgun and going off and a person screaming like it was... <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want, actually <laughs> want to so get stupid. one something like that for Halloween. That's fucking awesome. That's a great idea. Well, because they make them and, they, you know, it was on CD, so they would be like 60 minutes and then you just like hit play again when it like looped or whatever. But it, the fact that it just had a fucking person getting shot, like I still... I don't know why it still makes me laugh because it's just so inappropriate. It's just it was just it just completely inappropriate. But uh, <laughs> sometimes that sounds awesome. Yeah, it makes me laugh sometimes, man. Well, listen, we've had a lot of fun here today. <laughs> do you want to do? Do you have another song? Will you play another one to go out on? Or I've got another song. I just uh, what have we, we played? Night. We already played back alley business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played up some ma- makeup and vanity set. I guess, uh, well, I don't have any more dark shit on the list at the moment, but let's play uh, a new track from D-Noise. Do you like, uh, do you like D-Noise? Sure, man. Let's <laughs> do it up. How about this? So we'll, we'll play the song, but this will be your exit song. So uh... Yes, perfect, because i got to go hang a slash and i got to go make some food. So uh, let's play uh, D-Noise. He's got a new track called Last Night. I think it's from a compilation. I think it's Synthetics Volume 4, whatever the hell that is. It's off that, Andy. Cool. Well, let's fucking uh, listen to that, and uh, we'll talk to Marco uh, next week. You want to say goodbye? Yes, I do. I do want to say goodbye. Thank you for the uh, for letting me say goodbye, Andy. <laughs> uh, goodbye, everyone. Keep it real. Keep it 80s, and have a great Halloween. Thanks, Andy. See you, mate. See you, dude. And now we're going to listen to D-Noise with the track Last Night.
And that was Last Night by D-Noise. And uh, we just got done talking to Marco for another week. Marco's a cool guy. Anyway, I hope you guys have enjoyed the show on this spooky Halloween. I think we'll end on a track. Um, I got sent an album by the Opus Science Collective, and he has this album called The Real OSC Volume 1, and it's sort of inspired by Ghostbusters, so it's got this funky retro sound to it uh, uh, that I dig, and uh, it's a nice little track to end the show on. Again, not a very, like, well, no, it's Halloween-y, sure, because it's Ghostbusters related. Ghosts are Halloween. So I want to thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this weird one that's on a different day and time. And like I said, we're going to change probably the broadcast time of Beyond Synth, at least until the end of the year, because my schedule right now, I need to change when it's broadcast. So it's going to be earlier. All right. So that's all I can tell you. Might still be on Thursdays. I'd like it to still be on Thursdays, but it might be two to three hours earlier. And hopefully that's fine with you. I mean, to be honest with you, everyone who tunes into Beyond Synth is always in Europe or some strange country where they always tell me how late it is. So who cares for those people you know you might be able to tune in and not fall asleep halfway through because it'll actually be a reasonable time in your country and that's all i have to say so don't forget to follow me on twitter i am at andy last on twitter that's the official twitter account for beyond synth don't forget to like the beyond synth facebook page to follow the beyond synth soundcloud page to subscribe to the beyond synth youtube page that's pretty much all there you, there is to do but you got to do all those things man and do them now and uh have a happy halloween everybody dress up eat some candy and go fuck yourself and now here's a track <laughs> by the opus science collective i say the opus science collective but i think it's just opus science collective uh and this is listen do you smell something Ghostbusters. And I'll talk to you guys next time on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. And now, listen, do you smell something? By Opus Science Collective.